Hey, good morning. This is Lawrence Hart with Internet TV Plus Podcast. I'm here today with Jonathan Witte, and we're going to talk about Internet TV hosting platforms. Jonathan is the Senior Director of Sales at Uyala OTT. He has held senior executive positions with Computer Associates, Avnet, New Lion, and has recently joined the team at Uyala as Senior Director of Sales of the Southeast. Let's get this started. So how are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing great, Lawrence, for Friday. So happy Friday, everybody. (laughs) Happy Friday to you, too. Okay, great. Well, why don't we start this off with a few questions. So tell me, what is an Internet TV hosting platform? Is that the right name for it, or do you call it something else? Well, I mean, you hear a lot of different terms for this space in the market today. OTT, of course, is a very popular one. OVP platform is another one, but it's all the same. It is an internet TV hosting platform, which is where it all started. The question of what is an internet TV hosting platform or an OTT, I think we got to maybe take just a quick step back and kind of think about why this has come about and what's going on in the world today, what consumers are asking for. In a world of 2 billion connected devices, No wonder TV has moved over the top. OTT TV providers face a daunting task in delivering across, say, the device landscape that's out there. They they need to cover OTT video services for, say, Android devices, to iPhone, to Roku, and connected TVs of all kinds, right? So an OTT TV platform, such as what we offer here at Uyala, we deliver on the premise of the next generation TV. So anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Our integrated suite of technologies and services lets over-the-top television providers expand their monetization options around their content using things like analytics to gather insights that will drive and increase digital video revenue for them. So again, if you think about internet TV hosting platforms, a lot of different terminology out there for you today, but really it's just about being able to get your content out to the masses of people that are out there today. So who are the types of companies that use internet TV hosting systems? There's a large, you know, again, that question right there can be scaled across the board. So I think from small companies that are potentially looking, again, to get their content out to the masses, they feel is valuable to the consumers out there today. It could also be government agencies that are looking to get a message out to the masses about different projects that potentially that they're working on or educational institutions that are looking to build out a larger client base for their materials that they want to educate people on. So, and then only through the sports and media companies that are out there today, they're all looking to see how they can take advantage of this platform. So as I understand, you said that, so the kind of companies that use the hosting solutions, they could be content owners or they can be existing networks looking to expand. Is that about right? That is correct. Um, So tell me in general terms, how does an internet TV hosting platform work? What does it do? I mean, how does it get the content to the viewers? From a broadcaster or from a content owner perspective, if I have a documentary, which, by the way, we're probably going to have soon, if I wanted Mm -hmm. to put it on Uyala, how does it work? What is the basic process of me getting my show to viewers? So your question really is, is how does an internet TV hosting platform work, right? Yeah. Okay. So an OVTT Solutions works by, of course, delivering audio and video and other media over the internet, right? That's the simple way of thinking about it. And if you really want to get it kind of a visual of what OTT is, think about some of the providers out there today. So a Netflix, right? Or an Amazon video or a Sling or a Sling TV or even something new like Voodoo, which is a new Walmart brand that's a client of of Uyala today. They give you a good understanding of really what an OTT platform is and what it could bring to an organization. Um, And it really comes down to being able to get that content out to the masses. You and I as consumers of content 
don't want to be told when we can watch that piece of content. We don't want to be held to a schedule. We want to be able to use any device that I have in my hand at that time to be able to get to the content that I want to. But the one thing, important thing about OTT is a lot of people think it's just video, and it's not. It's things like, again, audio. It could be photographs. It could be news. All of these things that are coming to your devices that you have out today are considered OTT. Why is Internet TV hosting important? As I just mentioned, Lawrence, 2 billion connected devices, and it's going to keep growing as we move along here. I've been at conferences and heard projections that OTT market, that this OTT market was going to grow to over $65 billion by 2021, within what, say, five or four or five years. So why? Because we, the people, are demanding that we have access to content, that being video, audio, messaging, and images, and so on, at our choosing. We want to be able to say that I don't want to be held to a schedule. If I want to look at a picture, or if I want to listen to music, or if I want to watch this piece of content that's being delivered out there, I want to be able to watch it at my time, on my device, without any kind of restrictions. I might want to be able to watch a piece of content started with my iPhone and then going to my smart TV and then when I get in bed at night and watch it on my iPad. So why internet TV hosting is important? It's because it's what we are demanding as a society today. We as the consumer are asking for that ability, again, to have the freedom to watch content what we want, and OTT gives us that. Who uses internet TV hosting solutions? So, you know, a recent study from a consumer research firm found that 41% of the adults said that they've been or they're going to be shaving or cutting the pay TV cord in the next, say, 12 months, right? It's a pretty amazing stat there. You know, they also found satisfaction with OT was incredible. What we're seeing is that it's higher than, say, pay TV, and then that they were more likely, that person was more likely to recommend an OTT service to a friend or family member rather than, say, a pay TV service like a Direct TV or an Xfinity. And of course, we think about the millennials that are out there have the highest adoption rate for OTT with 84% saying that they regularly use a streaming service. The older generation out there, it's it's kind of funny with them as well, is that they're starting to take a look at streaming and use streaming in a big, big, big way. You know, nearly three quarters of the Gen X population and well more than half of the baby boomers are watching online. And I see that in my home today. I have my in-laws that live with me as well as my father. A year and a half ago, they had no idea even what streaming was or OTT. They still don't even really understand what OTT is, but they do know what Netflix is. After my daughter went downstairs and showed them how to sign into Netflix and actually get to that content that they want to watch. And they become a big adopter of Netflix using probably watching about 50% of the content that they consume through, say, something like Netflix. And then you see many of the large broadcasters out there in the world building services around TV hosting. So AT&T, of course, right? We all know AT&T. It launched its own major play designed to attract the millennials that are out there or those cord cutters. DirecTV now offers 100 channels just for $35. But if you think more about AT&T, they've already weathered the total disruption of its landline business by mobile telephone, pivoting to become the second largest wireless carrier in the U.S. today. It's looking to do the same now with DirecTV Now. Their CEO, Randall Stevenson, has acknowledged that his experts that he expects in that DirecTV now to heavily cannibalize the AT&T and existing U-verse and DirecTV pay business. And he said, that's fine. That means that you found something that the market really, really wants, which is OTT and that freedom. And AT&T is not the only one. Think about Verizon. They're hoping to rebound from the underwhelmed traction that they had with its own mobile TV pay program, which was called Go90, right? It's bracing for major changes. Their CEO, Lowell McAdam, recently told a conference audience that if, I had a, if he had a choice, 
The only thing Verizon would offer would be skinny bundles. That 300 bundle that you and I are grew up on and are kind of used to, it's going away. And this is what he said. And he said, the reason why is because customers, you and I don't want it. So what's needed to set up an internet TV platform? What kind of equipment or services? We look at it here at Uyala. It's not much that is needed to start using an internet TV streaming platform like an Uyala. For content owners, you need a computer that you can upload media files to, say, a server. If you're looking to bring in live content, you might need a good video camera. The challenge becomes really when you start weighing the cost versus quality versus possible points of failure within the process. So an example would be, do you want to use multiple cameras, which would require, say, a video switcher or, say, a TriCaster? How are we handling the backhaul or getting the signal out? The cheapest way of doing that, accomplishing this, is maybe using a public internet. But will that give you the reliability that's really needed for something like that? For more reliability, you might, depending on if you have the budgets for it, you might want to use a satellite uplink or a cellular technology. One of the things that we do at Uyala is that we work with our clients to help them through these questions. We take a consultative approach when working with our clients and prospects. We're not just there to sell them a product. We're there to help make sure that they're successful in implementing their strategies that they're looking for today as well as into the future. Um, so basically, they can um, get away with some low-cost equipment, but if they're going to do some advanced things, they probably do need to invest in some switching equipment or, or some other services. Yeah, and that's correct, because you think about even a large organization or, or a small organization. A small organization might not have a lot of money today. They might use one of these free UGC platforms. And I wouldn't say they're free because nothing really is free out there, right? But they might use a YouTube or they might use a Facebook Live or something else, or they might pay a very small license for a Vimeo. And those work well for them for, say, the project that they might be working on today. But even the large companies like a PepsiCo or a Coke or a Home Depot or a large broadcaster out there, they still will use these UGC platforms, which don't have a very high cost to them. So again, the YouTube that's out there or the Facebook. However, the larger organizations, again, they are looking to create potentially much more robust applications that are going to cost a lot more money, and it will actually take a lot more time to develop something, a strategy out like that as well, because there's so many moving pieces to it. Now, when you say UGC, you mean user-generated content, right? That is correct. Okay. So how long does it take to set up an internet TV platform service? Yeah, just like the last question that we were just talking about, I think it kind of dovetails onto them is it will depend on the size of the project. If it's a simple project, it could just take you a few hours. But if it's just about, hey, I need to get this piece of content, this video that someone just sent me, and I need to push it out to a mass group of people, I can do that very quickly on something like a YouTube and copy that URL and send it out to someone or take that player and put it within a page that we've created. With the complex projects across multiple platforms, as I was talking just a few minutes about, ago about if it has to go across iOS and Android and Roku and different web properties, it could potentially be a lot longer, right? Think about it. If, if you need to create a mobile application, you need to add an ad tech platform into it to support that. Are you monetizing it with SVOD, which is subscription video on demand, or maybe a TVOD model? All these points and many more could come into play when setting up an OTT service or an internet TV platform. What we do with our prospects and clients to gain an understanding of the business issues is to try to gain an understanding of those business issues that they're presented with. Based on that, we then can help design and create a business case that makes sense and allows them to, say, understand the process and time that it will take for a project such as implementing an internet TV platform. And I'm sorry for the kind of the long-winded answer there, but it really does depend, as I said in the last question, it really does depend on what they're trying to accomplish. What is the business issue that they're trying to solve today?
I think that's probably one of the best places to start. And then from there, you can start backing into different ways of solving that. So basically what you said is that technically it doesn't take a lot of time, but based on what business you've got, it might be more if you're going to add some advanced services or you got to get your content ready for interaction with the audience. So it could take a little longer, but technically it doesn't have to take very long, does it? That's absolutely correct. And again, it could take an hour, maybe even shorter to get a piece of content out there to the masses, or it could potentially take six months to 12 months, which we see a lot of because we're working with a lot of the big broadcasters out there because there's a lot of things that potentially can come into play. Additional services you've just mentioned. Let's think about additional services. Is there a subscription model that's going to be built into this? Is there going to be a integration with an ad tech platform that's going to be in this? How do we handle things like DRM? How do we look at the logistics on the back end of an operation and how that content is going to move through that process, that workflow to get to, say, the end user? So all these different things are being thought about from different levels within an organization, whether it's being a small company or a large company. Well, that leads us kind of into our next key question is that what are the key benefits of using an internet TV hosting solution like Oyala as compared as to owning your own system? Why would you want to use a hosted system as opposed to buying one? It's a great question, Lawrence. I have not come across many clients that built their own TV hosting solution or at that point owning it. Some of the larger broadcasters out there have gone out and acquired companies, smaller companies that were OBP providers to be able to offer their own solution to their client base and the companies that they own. Examples of those, great example, is someone like a Turner. But most of the companies that are looking for an OTT slash hosting solution are using one of two models that we see out there. The first model, as I mentioned before, is is UGC sites, such as a YouTube or Facebook and so on. They're good solutions with a low cost of entry. However, many times they lack that flexibility that is needed when video delivery is crucial to their success. The other option that many of my clients today are looking at are the SaaS model or the, the new acronym that I heard the other day, which is VAS, which is video as a service. I just threw a blank on that, sorry about that model. You know, this is where we all play today. You know, we can and would handle things such as the content management, the encoding, the transcoding, the analytics, the monetization strategies, and we mentioned those before, SVOD and AVOD, the services and support that all go along with that, that one would potentially need to be successful. So again, I think some companies out there are looking potentially to build their own solution, but most companies today, I think, are probably looking to say, how can I take advantage of this thing called the cloud, right? That SaaS or that vast environment. It's a much better fit for them. It's quicker for them to get to market with. So what types of device compatibility is important? You know, it depends. You know, what's the business case, as I mentioned earlier, that they're looking to create? I have clients that want to start with just a web property first. As budget constraints, they don't have that room to develop out right now the mobile applications. And then I have on the other side of it, I have clients that see their revenue coming mostly from, say, mobile and smart TVs that are out there today. Again, looking at what they're trying to accomplish. What are the business issues that organization is faced with today? What are their goals going forward? Will dictate what types of devices they potentially want to go towards. So I think all of them are important to an organization. You really just can't pick out one that says that this is just the only one that's important to us because that might not be important to the other company that we might be talking to down the street. Not sure if I'm clear on that, but does that make sense to you? I think it does. It kind of dovetails into my next question is that, You pointed out that going to all devices may not be the initial strategy because I'm assuming you're saying that the mobile side 
you might want to make a mobile app and you might need to integrate that or set that app up. So how are these types of devices added? In other words, let's say that we have our documentary and we go to the web-only route where they can watch it on a connected TV or another device. How would we add another type of device like a mobile app or something like that? Yeah, it's not that complicated, depending on, again, how custom you want that application to be. Through our robust backend CMS that we have today, which is called App Studio, it, we give you the ability to create those applications and also giving you the ability to manage those applications through our content management system and our OVP solution that we offer today. Each client, as I just mentioned, has different ideas within a new device that are important to them. And it's very important to clearly understand those points before someone like an Uyaler comes to the table and works with them or even internally within that organization. To really take what I've done from a web property and bring that into an app strategy isn't that complicated, but it has to be thought about to make sure that it makes sense to the overall business. So I can give you even an example of that. If we have a great web property here in the U.S. today, and a lot of people, we're getting a lot of great traction on it, and now we want to bring that same strategy, say, to a country in South America, I think it would be good to understand how does the consumer in South America in that country consume data? If we built out an iPhone application through an iOS app, necessarily, maybe there's a larger population down there on Android and not as many on iOS, which sometimes is the case. So is that the right strategy? So to be able to say, hey, I need to, we do see a hole in the market that we feel that we can fill with our content. And the best strategy here is to develop out something within the Android environment. And we can do that very quickly by the content management system like an Uyala provides us today. So now that you've got these customers using the Uyala system, how is customer care provided? In other words, if I'm a consumer or, and I have an issue, who do I call? What do I do? What are the options available for customer care support? Yeah, again, another great, great question. And this is the benefit, again, of a hosted solution, a TV hosting platform. If you look at the benefits of a SaaS and VAS platform, it is support for the application, which is always included within the hosting fees, at least here at Uyala. So at Uyala, we hang our hat on this as it's just one of the ways we make sure our clients are successful today as well as into the future. So with every license that we're bringing or every hosting license that we sell to our client base, it includes a robust team behind it to make sure that you're going to be successful from being able to pick up a phone and call someone, from the documentation that's out there, potentially on the applications that we've created for you. We have a client service team that's actually calling on them on a regular basis to make sure, again, that things are going well and that they're successful. So again, that is that value of a SaaS slash vast platform that we're talking about today. So how is content uploaded to the system? If you think about it, it's always going to be done just like as you might do it today through Drupal, which is a content management system, it's typically done through a CMS or an OBP, which gives you the ability to upload that content and also manage that content. I mentioned earlier about a solution we have called App Studio, which is a service. And it's a powerful suite of application management services that lets you build and deliver a premium OTT experience for multiple devices that are out there. Simple interface that we provide you makes it easy to configure layouts, configure things like your layouts, your scheduling of the content, and do all the things that you need to manage your applications. So again, the way that we do things within the OVP space today or the OTT space is not really much different than, say, how we did it in the past in building out rich web websites. 
that we have out there and those tools that we've used in the past. Very similar user interfaces that makes it easy for you to be able to deploy something in a quick manner if needed without having the right code. So you sort of touch on it, but how is content managed? So again, so content is managed through the OBP, which is an online video platform. So as Lawrence, for an example, I'll use you, as Lawrence is working for this large broadcaster and needs to bring this new content that he just received today online, it's been edited and formatted and all those things, he could log into, say, Uyala's OBP platform, as I mentioned, App Studio, as well as with Backlot, which is a solution that we've had for many, many, many years. So at that point, Lawrence would actually upload that content into the system. And at that point, he would be able to manage that content and get that content easily out to the masses. So you think about things like the delivery side of it, the transcoding, the bit rates and all of that. That is all being done within that OVP solution. Again, Lawrence doesn't have to reach out to other third parties, potentially, or other CDN providers out there to do those types of things before he uploads it into the system. You have a system today that does everything that you would need in one easy step. So how can ads be inserted into the content? Well, you know, that's one of the most important parts of a TV hosting solution is to have a way of monetizing your content, right? This can be done through working with any one of the different ad tech companies out there today. They all pretty much integrate into the OBP providers that are out there today or the TV hosting platforms as we're talking about. Uyala, sell-side ad management and programmatic training platforms is called Pulse. So Pulse will allow you to see every angle of your business as you manage and optimize your campaigns across direct and programmatic sales channels within one platform. And the nice thing about our EdTech platform today at Uyala is that if you're using a different OVP vendor out there, maybe you're using a Kaltura or maybe you're using a Brightcove or maybe you've built something on your own, we still can integrate into those different platforms that are out there. It's not that you have to say, hey, it's an all or none situation. We're agnostic from the ad side of it. So it's really out there in the standalone and will fit into any ad tech model potentially that you might be thinking about. But again, that is pretty much a standard today across most of the OBP platforms out there is to being able to have that integration into some kind of ad tech platform. Can you share with us some typical advertising on demand service fees or types and amounts? Yeah. And again, this range is depending on what you are looking to accomplish. Again, you can look at some of the, and when I say lower end, I don't take anything away from the services that they provide because they're pretty good services. A company like Vimo, what's going to charge you, you know, say $20, $29 a month for you to be able to upload content into the system and distribute that content. And then you can kind of look at, as it scales up from there, you can see companies charging you $500 to $1,000 a month, depending on how much usage you need, how much trend coding is needed. And then you can even go a lot higher than that into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on, again, how custom these applications are that you're going to be creating. Are you going to manage these applications through a back-end OVP or content management system like an app studio? So again, it scales in a very big way, depending on, again, your business, that, the business issues that you're trying to solve today. Another example would be live. How many people are going to be watching a piece of live content? Is it five? Is it a thousand? Is it a hundred thousand? How many concurrent users? All of these different things will affect that cost or that price that you would be pay, that you should be budgeting for a project like this, as well as your monthly cost. So you talked a little bit about this before monetization. So how can Internet TV platforms generate revenues? Yeah, and we mentioned this a little bit through the conversation today. We can do this, of course, by the ad inserts. That's what we just talked about a couple questions ago. And that can be easily done today. 
Other models that generate revenue are subscription video on demand or advertising video on demand or TBOD, which is something new that we're starting to see more and more, more out there. Just the other day, Netflix announced that they are now offering a download option for subscribers worldwide that allows them to view that content online. So it's really what we're starting to see through the OBP platforms as well as the industry is that we're being dictated to do the build out solutions based on what that consumer is asking for. And then now we have broadcasters or the media companies or whoever else out there that's looking at OBP or TV hosting are then starting to look at different ways that we can monetize that. And that kind of matches back again to those SVOD, AVOD, TVOD models. So is there any special training required for operators or users to use Oyala type system? No, most systems within the OBP space have a very simple content management system or a CMS. And it helps the users work through a project quickly without writing, say, writing code, right? However, most providers do offer additional training and consulting when needed. Our offering has lots of support documentation out there for the different services that we provide to an organization. And they can use those, of course, to learn about uh, the different things that are going on within the OBP space. So things like online training courses, we bundle those as part of the implementation that we're doing. And it's very, very, very important because it's important to us as well as the customers because we're there to make sure that they're successful. If they're not successful, they're not successful, we're not successful. We understand that. And the way to make sure that is to make sure that we're open with the documentation that we have on our services, how to implement things, as well as providing them on an ongoing basis, different training that potentially we feel that they might need. Yeah, I've noticed you do a lot of uh, web seminars. So uh, you seem to support your customers fairly well. Yeah, I mean, we do a, a great monthly web seminar. It's a great deal of information on all the topics that we're speaking about this morning. We also do a great job in releasing white papers. So this past week, and I urge anybody that's potentially listening to this conversation or reading about this conversation to go to Uyala.com and go to the research resource tab and click on a new report that's called the Global Video Index, which is, in my eyes, a must read for anybody that's interested in learning more about this topic that we are talking about today. So are there any industry standards for Internet TV platforms or OVP platforms? There are media and video streaming standards such as MPEG and HLS, you know, that ensure compatibility with many of the types of viewing devices. There are also some industry standards such as IAB and standards for ad inserts and such as those things are, you know, V-paid and VAT, you know, that coordinate and track and verify. The good thing about using an internet TV streaming platform like an Uyala is that we keep up on all of this stuff, these standards as they evolve. This allows the content user or the content owners or the distributors or the promoters to focus on their media business rather than their technical details. That's a really strong point there is that what we say to our client base out there is today, we want you to focus on what you're really, really, really good at. And potentially a lot of times it's the content. They're really good at the content. Don't think too heavily about the technology side of it. That's why you're coming to Uyala. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing since 2007. We're not a small company. We're over, we're close to 700 employees today. We were acquired by, by the 10th largest telecommunication company in the world, Telstra, two or three years ago. Let us handle that for you. We're thinking about you, and we're also thinking about the future. Okay, so we are going to put some links on the session webpage, and you can always go to uyala.com. You've talked about your white papers. You've got some web seminars. What other information can they get? So the web seminars, the white papers. If they've got questions, they can call you, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. They can reach out to me directly. Hopefully you'll post my information out there too as well. So if people want to reach out to me, feel free to reach out to me. There's other things too. There's conferences that we do attend. So make sure you take a look at our event page on our website as well. We will be at CES this coming first week in January. So if someone is going to be out there, please let me know. We'd be more than happy to set up a meeting and sit down and talk with you. But I guess the best way of communication, Lawrence, is just pick up the phone and give me a call. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have. If I can't answer them, I have a lot of smart people behind me that will be able to answer them. Hey, Jonathan, you've always been very helpful to me and very smart. So I really, really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Jonathan, and look forward to another episode from Internet TV Plus podcast in the future. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Lawrence.